0: Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at Bushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com.
1: Well again, welcome back. This is another episode of Digging for the Truth, and today we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff that's going on in the world. You know, as Christians, especially as negative as the world has become and all the chaos that's in it, we have sometimes a tendency just to bury our head and to feel hopeless. Let me tell you something. Uh, Jesus, he conquered it already. But we can't put our heads in the sand, and we really need to be focused on what we can do to make sure that we continue to build the kingdom and to move the ball down the field. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, However, we are going to start off talking about a few things that are not a lot of fun to talk about. Um, There's, If you haven't noticed, there's just an incredible attack um, on children from one side of the country. To the other, um, the Roe v. Wade, uh, you know, potential overturn leak just just recently came out. People are just screaming and yelling at all these courthouses. It's just it's crazy. Uh, I'll share a personal experience with that that I, I personally saw about uh, uh, that particular topic just the other day. But we're gonna get into it first with uh, some of the stuff going on in different states, beginning with the AB 2223 bill. Um, in California. If you're not familiar with this, you need to actually kind of go check it out. Basically, this bill that has been introduced would allow abortion to occur uh, with a baby that is out of the womb up to 28 days. Now, I don't know if, you know, that's not abortion. I mean, regardless, and and here's the thing, as a Christian, um, my position on abortion at any level, um, life begins at conception. Life is beautiful. Life is precious. And I know that I'm going to talk about some stuff today that is difficult, and maybe you have family members or people, or maybe if you had an abortion yourself, and I want to go ahead and say this first. Let me tell you something. Those sweet babies there in heaven uh, with the Father, they are being raised up by the oracles of heaven. And not only that, God wants to make sure that whatever shame and condemnation that the enemy has tried to put on you um, is given over to him, and he wants to, he wants to love on you, and he wants to protect you. But the thing is, is we need to talk about this difficult subject, and we don't need to put our head in the sand. Let's talk about it. I just wanted to, to bring up a couple of images so that you can see just what how, how precious these little babies are. So, uh, you know, a baby that is one week old will actually look like this. Isn't that a sweet little baby? That's a sweet little baby. All right. A baby that is two weeks old will look like that. Oh, my goodness. They're cute. All right. And a, a baby that they're talking about, they're you know willing to, to quote, unquote, abort or murder, Up to 28 days after, it would look like this. So that right there is a uh, one-month-old, 30-day-old baby. And let me tell you something, that life is precious. And the thing that I have such an issue with in regards to all of this is, yes, it's horrible um, any way you cut it, but what's also, it's just if you can't value life inside the womb, you're not going to value life outside the womb. And I'm not speaking, I have, I have experience, I've talked to a lot of people, I know a lot of people, family even, who have gone through and had abortions. And I've, I've seen the, the, just the, the havoc it wreaks. Um, it's not God's design. And I just want you to know that, like I said, there's no condemnation, but we need to talk about these things going on around the country. And so we know how to pray, that we can fight for the lives of these sweet little ones. I'm not going to spend too much time here, but let's go ahead and talk about the next topic, and that is uh, sex education for young children in New Jersey. There's graphic sex education, uh, so much so that so what they've done for uh, young children is they are actually created animated videos to teach them how to gratify themselves, um, to teach them horrible topics in regards to um, body, disfigure, uh, body disfigurement and, and, and confusing these kids, no longer allowing children to just be children. Um, I'm just bringing it up. So this is in New Jersey. I had some videos or some some, some graphics that I was going to show that, of, of these videos, and I've elected just not to do it. It's no reason to just, it, it's bad enough just to talk about it. But this is just, again, an attack uh, inside the school system on our children. All right, let's talk about another one. Um, this one was horrific. In fact, this is the desecration of the temple of, of God. There was a Lutheran, quote-unquote, pastor, a man, and he decided to dress up and drag as a woman. So he shows up, and he says, you know, sometimes I feel like a man, and other days I feel like a woman. Today I feel like a girl. And so then he brings all these children uh, down before him, and he starts to tell them, I mean, just absolute lies. In fact, I didn't want to read all of his his quotes, but the one thing that he said that I thought was very telling is that quote-unquote queerness is sacred let me tell you something whenever you say that queerness is sacred that means God isn't you've already desecrated the altar of the father and and then you bring children and let me tell you what the Bible says the Bible is very clear about children it says in and in, in, uh, in Matthew 18 and in Luke 17 that you're better off to tie a millstone around your neck and to cast yourself into sea, into the sea than to hurt any of these little ones let me tell you something. These babies are precious, and we need to fight for them. And you can see there's a common theme here. They're going after kids. But we're not done yet, okay? And you think North Carolina, hey, this would be a conservative state. But it's, I mean, this is everywhere. Um, so in New Hanover County, there's a gender handout that I thought I would bring up part of here and show you. And what they're trying to do, basically, is to confuse kids. So here is one of the... Uh, uh, one of the the handouts that they're having the children fill out and if you look here what i thought was pretty telling is these two questions on a scale of one to ten where one is not supportive at all and where ten is highly supportive rank the parent or guardian's level of support well if it's low says if support level is low what consideration must be accounted for in implementing this plan well let me let me rephrase what that says uh if the parents aren't telling them hey it's okay to you know uh say that you're a girl when you're a boy and vice versa, then we need to hide this from them. And in fact, they have, all right, who's going to be the go-to adult for them and all these things on some of the other pages. So basically they're trying to circumvent, they, they know what's best for your child. The parents, if they're just wanting to make sure that their children, you know, <clears throat> live up to the expectations of God, I mean, that's outside of it altogether. In fact, it's a blatant attack on children. Let's talk about one more and then we're going to get more positive. Okay, but it's important. The reason I'm going through some of these is just so that, you know, If, if you listen, if you're not looking at the news, God bless you, I don't blame you. Uh, I try not to, but I do try to stay up to, you know, uh, up to kind of what's going on in the current events and so forth so that I know how to pray, so that I know how to, to, uh, to go after these principalities that are coming after the church, coming after our children, that are coming after us, so we can go on the offensive, that we can attack these things. We have that authority. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross, and so that's, the, that's all we're doing is we're going to make that darkness go back in the pit of hell where it came from. So number five here, let's look at in Maryland. It's the, called the uh, the Senate Bill 669, and this, again, is an infanticide bill. Um, and it's not they, they say that it's not going to go quite as late as 28 days, but I, I don't know, tomato, tomato. But the one thing of the bill, I was going to read part of it, but the one thing that I think is important to go to is uh, the bill reiterates the current state Uh, law depriving unborn persons of all rights. In other words, that child has no rights. In the womb, out of the womb, until basically the mother says, okay, well this child can have rights now. Think about how sad that is. So we need to fight for that child's rights as Christians. Quote, unquote, says, nothing in this section shall be construed to confer personhood or any rights on the fetus, the bill reads. In other words, and and I'll just kind of paraphrase. Basically, they so say you can go get an illegal abortion. Of course, they don't want to have any restrictions on abortion whatsoever in the state. But whether the doctor, it's a doctor, or just a person, or you know, just a friend, you know, that does it for you, or however you, however you abort the the the, the, uh, the sweet little baby. That hey, listen, since it's, quote unquote uh, not a personhood, okay, and the fetus has is not a person and has no rights. Then hey, do whatever you want to do. So I know that all sounds negative, but let me tell you something. We have already won because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, I want to show you something, and then we're going to talk about some really neat things that we can do as the body to make sure that we win. Why is man so easily corrupted and quick to turn his back on God? This is a tale that has repeated itself from the beginning of time. God blesses man, gives him great riches, prosperity, peace, and safety, and with only a few generations, society has turned its back on God once again, choosing violence, hedonistic ideals, selfish ambitions, and hatred of anyone in their way, including their creator. Only nine generations from Adam to Noah, the population of the entire earth, are a single lineage, had turned their backs on God, and God instructed Noah to build an ark. God destroyed all of mankind except those whom he had spared. Noah and his family began to repopulate the earth, and again, it wasn't long before sin began to run rampant. In fact, within only 12 generations, two cities close in proximity, Sodom and Gomorrah were so filled with evil that God's wrath would be poured out once again, this time through fire and brimstone. So what is wrong with us that we are so quick to turn our back on God and allow evil to rise up and consume our societies? One word, sin. Sin comes in many forms, but has the same result. Maybe not physical death, but spiritual death. Unrepentant sin begets only more sin until we no longer feel the correction of the Father or hear His voice and our conscience becomes seared. First Timothy 4 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So what are we to do? Just accept that Satan and his principalities of darkness have won, taken over our country, schools, cities, towns, businesses, and neighborhoods? Absolutely not. God defeated this darkness on the cross over 2,000 years ago through the blood of Jesus and his miraculous resurrection. We don't fight like Satan. Hatred has never won a single person to any cause. But through standing steadfast, firm to the infallible word of God, Letting our voices rise up and be heard in truth, and more importantly, in love. It is through the love of Christ and His authority in us that will reclaim the ground the enemy has tried to take from us. Yes, these may be the latter days mentioned in 1 Timothy 4, but until Jesus comes and removes us from this planet, it is our responsibility to fight the good fight for the hearts and souls of those around us. We can see revival, restoration of our neighborhoods, businesses, towns, cities, and schools, so what are we going to do? Simple. Share the gospel. Jesus changes everything. You know, I wanted to put that together because it's, sometimes when you can see it in, in such a condensed format, it, it, just, it can get us inspired because Jesus does change absolutely everything. And so I want to talk a little bit about how we got here. I mean, how do things get so out of control so fast? And what do we do uh, as the body to go and to, to, to make a difference in this fight? Just sit back and take it. Just like the video says, no, we're not going to sit back and take it. We're going to take the fight to the enemy because that's how we were created. God's authority. When we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ, his authority is in us. And, when, and just like it says with faith of a mustard seed, we tell that mountain to move, it's going to move. Let me tell you something. When we tell the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of here, he has to get out of here. But yes, there are some practical things that we need to do and that we need to talk about. One of these is just like understanding the battle. You know, so one of my things that I love to do, I mean, again, this is the infallible word of God. And that's another thing that we're going to talk about. I recently said, in fact, today I saw a study uh, that was, was done um and it came out, and it says that in the United States, 37%, 37% of pastors in the churches, okay, do not believe that this is the infallible Word of God. So I went back and looked at that study, and I had it backwards. Only 37% of pastors hold a biblical worldview, okay? That means that, yes, over 60% of the pastors that are pastoring churches today don't have a biblical worldview, that's even crazier than I said the first time. Continue. They do not believe that this thing is true. How, how is that possible? Let me tell you something. If you can't believe this, then you can't believe anything. Not only that, I challenge you. Any person who has ever tried to go and quote-unquote disprove this Bible has been proven wrong, and it has come into a relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you something. This whole thing is true. Um, and so this is, this, is, this is our playbook. But it's interesting. So Sodom and Gomorrah was a, a horrible place, right? But before we even get to, quote-unquote, Sodom and Gomorrah and talking about what happened there, we need to talk about and understand the battle. So what's interesting is the antediluvian period, so the period before the deluge, okay? The antediluvians are the people who um, were on the earth and they had, they had lived pre-flood, okay? So I was breaking down Genesis, um, you know, uh, I guess it's, I think it's in Genesis 11, um, where it starts talking about Shem's descendants, And then I started going back and and kind of just looking at, you know, and I put a graph together to kind of help us understand how fast men fall away from God. If you could talk to somebody, um, just think of this, if you could talk to somebody that was pre-flood, that lived on the earth before the flood, and could tell you how horrible it all was, um, I'd be all ears. I mean, like, oh, yeah, I don't want to go down that road again. What do we need to do to make sure that we don't go down that path again? Well, ironically, there were those people. So when you look at this, this is a graph that I put together. And I, I took this straight out of scripture. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about the apocrypha, um, and we're going to go into apocrypha more deeply um, in uh, downstream episodes. But if you look, okay, on, on this line, it's a little bit hard. It might be hard to see, but the flood, that red line in the middle, okay. If we just go back to when, then the time of Adam, and we add up all those years, so how long Adam lived, 900 and I think 30 years, and Methuselah, and all these different, you can actually come up with a number, and it's like 15, uh, 1656, okay. Uh, so 1656 years from Adam is the time of the flood. Okay, I mean Noah was 600 years old when they stepped on. When he stepped on that on that boat. But what a lot of people don't realize. So here in, in Genesis 11 it begins to break down Shem's descendants, Arphaxad, and that's a law ever and so forth. And we get down to Abraham, and you can also see it's kind of interesting when you start looking at almost the half lives, the years, how long people were living. And that's another fun thing to be fun to talk about on another episode. But I don't want to get sidetracked. But if you look down is you can see abraham and and i'm moving my mouse here i don't know how well you can see it but right here's abraham and if you look above so shem was alive not only that when abraham was born noah was still alive think of that so here i am i am abraham okay the father you know many consider which he is the father of our faith he i mean he began it really right um and so Abraham, here he was. He could talk to literally a contemporary. Okay, there was 12 generations from him, but it was Noah, somebody who actually lived in the Antediluvian period, lived pre-flood. Can you imagine having that conversation? But not just not just Noah. Okay, Shem, his son. And so here's an interesting thing that's crazy. And so I want you to notice to look at this. So if you look down here, when Abraham is li- where he where he lived, so he lived to be 175 years, right? Look up here above, I overlaid it, okay, this is the life of Abraham right here in this orange on Shem's lifeline. Shem, okay, actually outlived, so Noah's son outlived Abraham by 35 years. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's just hard to think, I mean, mean, it's taken straight out of here. I mean, you know, now there's some other things that are kind of interesting. So in the book of Joshua, Joshua is uh, an apocryphal book, and it's actually referenced twice in Scripture, but it talks about, if, and, and again, you have to take, you know, apocryphal, because it's non-canonized, and you have to take it all with a grain of salt. But interestingly, it does talk about, you know, how um, Noah, you know, actually taught uh, Abraham. And so it's kind of interesting. Now, again, you've got to take that with a grain of salt, but it is interesting to look at and to think about. So one of the things, so how do you get here? You have, you have Sodom and Gomorrah. And I guess my point is, is that you have Sodom and Gomorrah. Here's Abraham, if you remember, Abraham begging for, okay, God, if there's 100, if there's 50, if there's 10. And God says, yes, okay, if there's 10, I will save them. And there wasn't, I mean, Lot. And even Lot's wife was, I mean, she was out there, as we all know from the story, because she was more enthralled with the world than she was honoring and serving and loving God. And so she turned around and became, was turned into a pillar of salt, right? Okay, so think about this, though. So the God, I mean, within... Noah, okay, Shem, the, I mean, he, he was antediluvian pre-flood. That generation hadn't even died yet, hadn't even passed away, and here are cities that are completely and totally just, just corrupt. That God is saying, no, I'm not going to let this cancer spread again, and he destroys them, okay? Well, how do you get like that? And secondly, you know, what are we going to do to overcome the enemy in these areas? Well, to begin with, if you'll remember, in, gen- in fact, uh, if you look in Daniel, Okay remember when Daniel began to pray he prayed out and he said as soon as he cried out to God God dispatched an angel uh, to him okay but it took that angel 21 days to get to him and so whenever the angel did come I mean obviously he was very grateful and is an interesting you need to go read read the scriptures really neat but he said what took so long and he said well from the moment that you cried out God dispatched me because you are you know a, a very valuable a valuable man a man loved by God, but he said, "I was fighting in the heavenlies." In other words, there was a, there's a huge battle. It says the prince of Persia, and we're going to talk about that prince here in just a second. But the prince of Persia, um, you know, was in and his minions were preventing me from getting through. He says the archangel Michael actually had to come and help me get through. So you know, there is a battle going on in the heavenlies. There are you know demons. Okay, demonic forces, I mean, high-ranking generals, do you realize there's a rank in hell? Okay, there are some demons more powerful, just like Michael's a more powerful angel than the angel that went to uh, Daniel. But there there are these angels that are in battle with demons, and it's going on in the spirit realm. We are part of that battle. We can hear spiritually. Think about this. I mean, a lot of people they don't believe they can hear God. Let me tell you something. Everybody who has a relationship with Jesus can hear God. And you need to learn how to hear his voice. It's such a beautiful voice. And it's never fear, it's never shame, it's never condemnation. It is always love, grace, mercy. When you feel the the anger or you feel shame or condemnation, that always comes from Satan. And when we hear those things, okay, let me tell you something. You're, You're listening spiritually to the enemy. And you need to learn to be able to, to identify that and say, no, you get away from me. Get behind me, Satan, for I'm Christ's, and Christ's alone. Well, in the in this world that we're living in right now, you've got principalities. You have high-ranking demons, okay, that are being put over cities, that are being put over organizations, that are being put, uh, you know, you know uh, that, that are influencing businesses, right? We see it happening every place. And so we need to understand what's going on. So then when that's exactly like what happened in sodom and gomorrah you had people two cities living close in proximity and people were afraid to stand up i guarantee you in the beginning when that sexual immorality was running rampant in between those two those two cities that not everybody was on board in fact they but the 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 loudest probably the minority especially in the beginning would just would scream and and prevent the others from coming forward and, and saying no we don't we shouldn't do this and you know when i was in i guess i'd have been in high school there was this computer game called lemmings. Maybe some of you will remember it. Okay, well, so a lemming is actually a little mammal, and they have this habit of just actually, you know, falling off a cliff. What they'll do is, I mean, migratory patterns, I mean, they'll actually literally just that. I mean, they'll just keep following their buddies to their death. And, and I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that we are literally no different because we will actually follow somebody to our death. I mean, we are, instead of standing up and saying, hey, no, I'm going to stand for truth, I want to stand for the right thing. Remember, when I was a kid, the, and people would, would say, hey, stand up against bullying. Well, bullying, they redefined that word, okay? Um, and so we need to stand up against the bullies, and we need to do it the right way. And we need to do it by hating the sin, but not hating the sinner. And so that's really what we need to do. What can we do next? Well, I'll tell you, there's, there's a couple of different things we can do. First of all, um, inside of, we need to fight, we are believers. You can no longer. We are in a state, not just a state of Texas, but like in a in a position, okay, as Christians, that you can no longer just sit on the sidelines. You can't sit on the fence and say, "Well, listen, I know there's other people that are even going to go out there." There's God made preachers, God made evangelists. God, let me tell you something. In Ephesians four eleven, it talks about the fivefold ministry. Every single person that can hear my voice, every person that has a relationship with Jesus, everyone, God has instilled and given you abilities and gifts to be used for the purpose of the kingdom. We can also get into the 1 Corinthians chapter 12 gifts. But let me tell you something. We need to take those gifts and those talents and start using them for the kingdom. And it begins in our home. You know, we got to make sure that we fight for our household. Um, I, I, can't, I can't tell you how many times I hear about how, you know, the children inside, under a household are, are falling away. Now, listen, we all, I remember what it was to be a kid and be a teen. I mean, I was a full-blown idiot. But I had people praying for me. And I had people that were in my corner that were going after, making sure that, you know, hey, listen, they would get on their knees and praise God that they did because they, I would not be here today. I would not have my family. I wouldn't have my children if it weren't for those people who were praying for me and loving on me, showing me kindness, even in my most ignorant and stupid moments, okay? But it begins in the house. And I've, I've, I've counseled people that have trouble with, with children in the home and everything else because many times they're being influenced dramatically You know, from the outside world. In fact, you can't get away from it, right? I mean, this stupid thing right here, we take them everywhere, right? I mean, I just pulled it right out of my back pocket. These things have a constant connection to a whole bunch of negative things going out in the world. If you don't know what I do for a living, I'm actually in technology, and I have another ministry called Kids, Parents, and Tech, and I will go and I will speak about how to raise children in teenagers, kids, in this technologically connected world, And it has never been harder, and I'm going to say I say this when I preach and teach on this, it's never been harder in the history of the world to be a kid or a young adult than it is right now. And I will also say, parents, it's never been harder to be a parent. But we have got to fight for our households first. And I just uh, recently got back from officiating a wedding uh, in Detroit. And so, as I mentioned a while ago, um, all this Roe v. Wade stuff's going on. So it was on Saturday, right before we are heading to the uh, the, the, the sanctuary, which was a really beautiful sanctuary, but it was, uh, it was built in 1849. It was really cool. But you could hear, you could see helicopters, like police helicopters going and you heard all this noise and there's craziness going on. Well, what it was is people screaming outside of uh, the federal courthouse down there, you know, over this Roe V Wade stuff. And what's, what's, what's even crazier. I look, I mean, this, so this was going on, it was playing, it was, it was calculated and planned from one side of the country to the other, but there are these women holding up, And I'm I'm not kidding, holding up hell, Satan uh, signs. Well, that says pretty much everything you need to say. I mean, their hearts are completely torn up. Their consciences are seared. Um, And and so there's all of this craziness going on. But in the wedding, you know, as far as whenever I was officiating, I I looked and I told them, I said, the most important decision is is not this wedding and, and who you marry. It is a, it's a wonderful and a beautiful, and one of the most important decisions of your life is who you do marry. That's true. But the most important decision of your life is whether you have a relationship with Jesus Christ or not. That's it. And as a parent, okay, our number one job as parents, and again, fighting for our household, our number one job as parents to make sure that our children come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. That, I mean, obviously, well, there's a whole lot of other things we need to do, but that's the, those are that's the priority. Make sure we know Jesus and make sure our children know Jesus. The next thing we need to do is we need to we need to go after and we need to fight for the schools our schools have been in you know inf, just infiltrated and infected with just just the things we mentioned in the beginning and it's because of things that we've allowed to do other people do for us right so um you feel county all these things over in virginia um, that were happening in regards to you know parents being called literally called terrorists because they disagreed with the things that were being taught inside the schools and so even the federal government um, rallied people to, to call them terrorists and go after them. And they eventually had to back that off. But let me tell you something. We need to take back these schools. And so there actually are some people that are doing this. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. I didn't until recently. Um, but this is really encouraging. And I'm telling you, it, it, this is something that we need to do. Um, but it's called Moms for Liberty. And these Moms for Liberty are a group of school boards. It's basically a they're trying to take on the school boards from one side of the country to the other. And there's 85,000 moms that have united and locked arms to make sure that they go in. And those voices are heard, that they understand that we are not going to let just them teach anything they want to to our kids. And they'll show up, and they're doing it all the right way. Even though, like, there's one that showed up at at an event the other day. And she was literally, all she was doing was reading um, exactly what the teachers were making the children say and act out as an assignment in the class. And the school board says, we can't have profanity like that in this. And she she says, I'm just reading exactly what y'all are making my kids act out. And they silenced her mic. But let me tell you something. They had to turn it back on. She was completely respectful. And let me tell you something. It's taking a dig. And so let me tell you what this has done. Um, There's elections going on from one side of the country to the other. And school boards are overwhelmingly being totally turned upside down on their head from one side of this country to the other because people are saying, no, let me tell you something. God gave me those kids and it's my responsibility to steward them and to make sure that they're protected and taken care of. Let me there's a lot of good things happening. But we can't let it, let up the fight. Let me tell you the only thing that's truly holding back the antichrist, okay, is is us. We are it. The enemy and let me tell you something, he cannot take any all the ground he needs as long as we, the Christians, are here on this dirt ball. And while we're here, not only can we just not just keep him held back, but we can take back the ground that he's taken from us. And 1 Timothy 4 has talked about the apostasy of the church, but there's also a great harvest. And we're starting to see, I'm telling you, I'm like, heck, recently I've watched people uh, in their 60s, even early 70s, come into Christ and accept in Jesus for the first time. This is significant. You know how big of a deal that is? Because they understand, okay, yeah, I'm starting to see the world here for what it is. Can't sit on the sidelines anymore. And that's what we need to do. We need to go tooth and nail and to fight for every square inch for the kingdom. You know, the other thing that we need to do is um, make sure, like I said, make sure that your voice is heard. Um, We live in a great community, um, but let me tell you something. You have to, even in this great community, there's been crazy stuff happening uh, inside the schools. I mean, uh, we've had librarians teaching horrible things to children, um, you know, that, that, you know, was crazy. So what happened, I remember... When I was in high school, um, I mean, God was still in the, in, in, the, in the school system. I remember as a kid, um, you had on the back wall, had the, the Ten Commandments uh, in the elementary school, junior high. I still remember seeing all that. And it wasn't the first shooting that I recall ever happening was Columbine, okay, when people were going off. Let me tell you something, but God had been kicked out of the school. What happens when you kick God out? Chaos comes in. So what's interesting about all of this is that, you know, we have got to fight for our school system. We've got to fight for our communities. We cannot let, in fact, there's even people that are being hired by all these demonic forces to try to go into these communities like ours and disrupt them and to teach horrible, horrible, you know, uh, ideologies. And so when that happens, we, so listen, we got to love the person because hatred never won anybody to any cause. got to love the person, but we got to kick the sin out. And we, we're not going to just stand for it and say, no, okay, well, we don't want to hurt you. Let me tell you something, but we also have to do it in the right spirit we do doing in the wrong spirit, it'll have the opposite effect. That person will win. So we've got to fight for our communities. Um, you know, what's interesting, so I, I don't know, I'm going to tell, tell you a little bit of uh, something I figured out about our pastor. Uh, have you ever heard Pastor Jeff talk about when he was in East Texas uh, Bible College, okay, he his, his roommate was Billy Foote. And I didn't know this uh, until I watched a documentary about James Robinson. James Robinson, um, if you're not aware of who he is, he's an evangelist and stuff. He used to uh, go out and have these crusades. In fact, he's led millions of people to Jesus. Whether you like him or you don't, let me tell you something, he's at least been going out there and he's been fighting uh, for the kingdom and trying to build the kingdom since he was 18 years old. So what's interesting about his life is he had a really hard upbringing. Um, In fact, he was a product of rape. His mama um, chose not to abort him and then she put an ad in the paper for you know two christian people to to raise her her child well they did uh, a pastor and his wife they brought james robinson into their home and he lived there for five years well after five years the mom showed back up and took him out and it's just that's the only parents he'd ever known uh were the pastors and from that period forward it was it was pretty rough 10, 10 years or so um he found his way back to uh the pastor and the wife that uh, picked him up and loved on him for those first five years of his life, and they had a profound impact on him. And eventually, he did come to, he came, they talked about the, the day he came to Christ and what a beautiful moment that was. But he ended up going, deciding to be an evangelist. So he went to this Bible college where Billy Foote's dad, also named Billy Foote, was. And they ended up dropping out of the Bible college and going to start an evangelical crusade, I mean, just revivals, I mean, together. And to my knowledge, they did that the rest of their lives, really, the rest of their ministries together. So our pastor, Pastor Jeff, all right, he shared a room with Billy Foote, whose dad also was just an incredible evangelist and, 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 and shared that ministry with James Robinson. Think about just all the things that could have happened in all the wonderful lives, the lives that were affected beautifully because of uh what decisions were made they could turn around and honor god it's beautiful neat story anyway i kind of digress a little bit um you know the one thing i also i want to mention is is that yes you know we get into you know, we see all these politics and we start saying republican and, and and democrat and all this stuff let me tell you something god he could care less about politics he created government okay god is government in fact you look, government is designed by God. In Isaiah thirty three twenty two. it talks about, our, so I don't know if you knew this, but our government was formed off of this biblical principle. Three branches. In Isaiah 32, 33, 22, it says, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. He will save us all. So we're talking about the judicial, the, uh, the legislative, and the executive branches. We're all coming from basically this scripture right here. So when our, when our Constitution was founded and it said they wanted separation of church and state, it wasn't to keep the, the, the God out of the government. It was to keep the government out of the church. And in fact, if you go, I've not been there, but I've had people tell me they've gone into the, the halls of our, our constitu- of our government and there's scripture everywhere. You know, So it's, it's, you have to understand that our, our country, our, our entire existence in this nation, is because of religious freedom. It was all founded based on on religion. In fact, so James Robinson that I mentioned earlier, he in the so in the 60s, 70s, he was invited into schools and I mean literally there would be just kids packed into the auditoriums or into the uh, to the gymnasiums. And he would speak and and he would just love on them and he would joke with them and tease them and he would tell them about Jesus. And this is inside the school. So when I was in high school, this kind of thing was still going on. But in 1999, I was a, I graduated college by this point. But I remember the Columbine uh, stuff. You know, remember all these mass school shootings? If you look, I mean, they keep—they can continue to progress, and they say, "We got a gun problem." We don't have a gun problem. We got a spiritual problem. We got a heart problem. We got a, because we kicked God out. It's been—it's think about it. Since God's been kicked out of the schools, all the craziness, all the things that have poured into these schools, and we need to take that ground back. We need to take that ground back. So that's another thing that we can do. Fight for your community. Fight for your schools. Fight for your home. And fighting for your home alone is incredibly difficult just because of all the stuff that continually is coming in. Know what your kids are watching. Know what your kids are, 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 you know, who they're listening to. What are they following on, you know, uh, social media, which I, if you want my opinion, there's no reason for any of us to be on social media, but especially our kids. But uh, that's a conversation for another day. So we can we can fight back. there are things that we can do, so we need to remember that we are royalty. we are king's kids. you know I've heard Pastor Jeff even go out there and get those kids I've heard about these kids come to me rather and say that when Pastor Jeff will come out there and and he'd you know get them all riled up because you know our, our our pastor he's definitely into athletics, so he'd go out there and he'd get them all like y'all are kingdom kids, y'all are royalty, now go out there and, and play like it. That's what they would tell me. I had a couple of guys come tell me that the other day. Uh, and anyway, and that's, he's absolutely right. We are a royal priesthood, and we have authority, the authority of the sovereign creator of the universe that has been instilled in us because we have a relationship with him, and he died on that cross for you, each and every one, individually. And so we need to take back that mantle and realize that we have authority. Look, we all have things that we can, you know, can, can do and contribute. You know, 10% of the church generally does 90% of the work. Well, let's change that. Get involved. What can you do to, to help out of the church? I mean, it may just be a simple thing as being a greeter. It doesn't matter, but be visible. Be an example for your children. Let them see you serving because, let me tell you something, the kingdom of heaven is all about serving. You want to change things? You want to push these people back, you know, and, and say, quit being a lemming, quit following, just falling off the cliff? Well, say, wake up. It's time to wake up, fix our eyes on Jesus, and start listening to his voice instead of all these crazy voices that are all around us. And we, we have, I'm telling you, man, we can do this. So I just want to encourage you, if you are not, in, you know, plugged in right now, maybe you, if, you don't have a, if you're not involved with a life group, that's something else that I just want to encourage you, get involved with a life group. Because, you know, we need community around us. We need people that are continually encouraging us and loving on us. And when life gets hard, because it is going to get hard, that they're going to be right there with us. And they're going to say, hey, we got this. We're wearing it with you. How can we help? So I just want to tell you, thanks again. I know that we talked about some heavy stuff today. But we don't have to have the, oh, the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah, those principalities that are trying to take things over. We have authority to say, get out of here in the name of Jesus Christ. And you go straight back to that pit of hell where you came from. And we need to start taking that mantle up. Be bold, but be loving. And we can do this. Well, thanks for joining me today. I can't wait to talk to you on the next one. We have some really neat episodes coming up. Uh, we're going to have some neat people coming on soon. And I'm excited to share some of these with you. But again, thanks for joining, uh, joining in today. And we'll see you on the next one.